This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. Shall we? There <laughs> yes. you go. My goodness. Hello, everyone. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kyle Rosdahl. Thank you for being here on this Monday, 12 February is the date and day. Yes. Can you believe we're almost halfway through this month know, already? Right? It's wild. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, today we're going to do some news stories. We're going to do some Make Me Smiles. Uh, but let's start with the news. So, Kai, what you got? So, uh, mine is is uh, uh, political, but mostly economic in a way that probably a lot of people listening to this podcast will understand, but I fear a lot of people in this country don't. So, hmm. Trump goes to South Carolina this weekend, says all the standard stuff he usually says at these rallies, and then he says, uh, tells a story, which you can tell is fake because he uses the sir thing. I was at a big conference and a leader of a big country said to me, sir, if we are behind in our payments to NATO, uh, will you help defend us against the Russians? And Trump says, I told that person, no, I'm paraphrasing that. But that's pretty damn close to uh, uh, what the story was. And that, of course, is just another example of the former president not understanding America's position in the world, specifically not understanding our position in the various alliances that have made the post-war global economy and peace since the Second World War, mostly, um, happen. So, Steve Inskeep on Morning Edition this morning did an interview with a guy by the name of Tom Nichols. Tom Nichols used to be a a professor at the um, Naval War College. He's an old Soviet guy, but he's very tuned into political and economic and geostrategic affairs. And Steve said to him this morning in this interview, which I commend to your attention, and we will put it on the show page, Steve said, help people understand why things like the NATO alliance, which the president, former president, uh, is threatening to pull out of and has threatened to pull out of repeatedly and has, you know, said he won't abide by the terms of Article 5, which is the common defense article. Steve said, make people understand why that matters today. And here's what Tom Nichols said. I think it's really important for Americans to understand that their uh, freedom to move about the world, their freedom at home and their standard of living on a day-to-day basis is directly dependent on those alliances. I, I don't know how to put it any more plainly than that. Um, there are many, many, many things wrong with this world and with this country, but the global alliances that have helped shape uh, peace for the last 80 years uh, is not one of them. You know, when I saw that clip uh, this weekend, what really struck me about it is the former president is saying out loud that as per his whims, he's willing to ignore our treaty obligations, right? And yes to all of those things that you said, but our our treaties – with any country, are pretty fundamental to how countries relate to each other in the world. And if you have a president saying out loud, I don't feel like I have to abide by our treaty obligations, it kind of just throws everything out the window in terms of our relationships with other countries. And it undermines trust. I mean, already I, I saw an article over the weekend about all of these countries 
you know, getting ready for a potential Trump administration and, you know, all the upheaval they think that might potentially cause, especially in terms of they won't be able to trust that the United States will keep to its promises and obligations and won't necessarily adhere to whatever future promises are made. And I think that is really uh, damaging to our reputation, to put it very mildly. Very mildly. I, it, it, yes. it beggars belief and, re- yeah. and, re- and really bums me out to boot. Yeah. Anyway, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, two interesting stories. So last week we did some reporting on Marketplace and a bunch of other folks talked about how there was new data out that during the pandemic, younger Americans really saw an increase in their wealth. Now, they still have minuscule wealth compared to older generations, you know, like boomers and things like that. But nevertheless, because a bunch of young people invested in the stock market with that extra cash that they had due to stimulus checks and not having to pay student loans or whatever – their personal wealth went up, which I was like, great, great news. Then, you know, happy Monday this morning, I see a different story in the Associated Press that actually used a a similar data, but, you know, pulled out a different, you know, data point. I'm going to read this from the Associated Press. A strong performance in financial markets, particularly an outsized gain for the stock market in 2021, helped entrench existing trends of wealth inequality during the pandemic, new data released this week's show. According to a report from the New York Federal Reserve Bank, the real net worth of white individuals outgrew that of black and Hispanic individuals by 30 percentage points and 9 percentage points, respectively, from the first quarter of 2019 through the second quarter of 2023. The period featured a remarkable level of government financial support and after the initial shock of the pandemic, a surprisingly strong job market. And then they talk about unemployment. But the article goes on to say that it has to do with where different groups traditionally have their money. White Americans are more likely to have their wealth invested in the stock market, in a home, or, you know, in a retirement account, a.k.a. the stock market, right? But, and I'm going to start reading again, more than 50% of black financial wealth is invested in pensions, the New York Fed found. Less than 20% of black wealth is stored in private businesses, corporate equities, and mutual funds. In contrast, less than 30% of white financial wealth is invested in pensions, with about 50% invested in business equities and mutual funds. So these sort of, you know, historic uh, legacies of, of what investment products and mm access to wealth building tools were available, even in a time when lots of people saw economic gains, uh, those sort of legacy problems entrenched wealth inequality, even in this moment when, you know, that happened. It's a really interesting article. It has to do with unionization levels as well and and housing and highly recommend. So yeah, that's that's one. (laughs) Yeah, no, look, I mean, so the idea this it's just well, there's a lot going on here, but but the uh, the obstacles that have been put in the way of building general generational wealth for for black Americans and other Americans of color are staggering and will take generations to undo. You know, that's that's the, the super sad reality of this. I mean, I remember we talked about the K-shaped recovery, but 30 percentage yeah, points. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. It's that's wild. wild. 
So the other story jumped out to me because of some reporting I remember Justin Ho doing during the pandemic about how with the labor shortage that was really getting to a lot of companies, small businesses were starting to buy a lot more machines, robots, automation equipment, right? So story out in Reuters that said last year, North American companies ordered a third fewer robots as worries about a slowing economy Mm. and higher interest rates made it harder to justify buying the advanced machine, the first hiccup in what has been a steady progression of the robot invasion of the region's workforce. And so here are the hard numbers. Companies bought 31,159 robots robots in 2023, a decrease of 30% over the year before, the largest drop in percentage terms since 2006, and the largest drop ever in net units, according to the group A3. The Hmm. pullback occurred in the automotive-related industries, which made up about half the market last year, as well as sectors such as food and metals and manufacturing. I think that's really fascinating because – all of that talk about we're heading into a recession, we're heading into a recession, mm-hmm. we're heading into a recession, even though it didn't happen, it informed the decisions that yep. businesses were making about investments. And we had talked at the time about you know this being kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you talk about yes. a recession too much, right. you might cause one. Right. This is what that looks like. <laughs> right, right, totally. Totally. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm still, well, we're all still waiting for that recession to come, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm not waiting. I'm, I'm hoping it does. Yes. I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> oh. All right. Yes. Jay has had enough. Uh, He's like, I don't want to hear it. What do you got? What's going to make you smile? Cats. Cats. Cats always make me smile. Yes, I saw the most adorable story in the Washington Post. The Washington Post has this newsletter called The Optimist, and it's just feel-good stories, which mm-hmm. often are very – it's it's funny how heavily it has to rely on pet stories <laughs> to get Well, you know, sometimes that's what it takes, news. right? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm leaning on that. So here's the headline. Yes, cats do get stuck in trees. This climber rescues them for free. And this is a guy, yes, in Pennsylvania, who offers to rescue people's cats stuck up trees for free. And he's got all this climbing gear. And apparently, even though the stereotype is that people will call the fire department to get cats out of trees, those ladders often don't reach up into the canopy of trees very well. And also fire departments are quite busy doing other things. And so... People, there are all these different services. In some places, there are people who do it for free. Other times, you have to pay for it. Um, but this guy, Stephen Murrow, sorry, the uh, Stephen Murrow is the guy's name. He actually lives in Pittman, New Jersey. And so the opening story was in Philadelphia. And, and so he drove from New Jersey to Philadelphia to get the cat out of the tree. He's done this for, he runs a Tesla tree service. <laughs> A tree cutting business wow. used after the vehicle he uses to haul around his solar charged chainsaws and climbing equipment. Oh, that's cool. And so he posts videos online of all these rescues. And so he's done something like a hundred plus cat rescues over the past three years, thirty-nine of them oh in twenty twenty-three. And so the article has all these great photos of him, like, reaching over and getting cats and, you know, trying to coax these ch- cats out of trees. It's very, very cute. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna need a very smart cat savvy listener to this podcast to explain to me why cats get stuck up in trees and can't get down. I truly don't understand. Oh wait, it's in it's in the article. Is I can right? read I this to you. Hold yes, on, please yeah, help let me understand. Yes, hold on, let me find. Okay. It's, it's a common situation with cats. According to pet health experts at PetMD, cats tend to go high when they're either chasing a small animal right. or feeling threatened, but many have trouble coordinating their front and hind feet when trying to climb down. They generally jump down from high perches, but a tree might be too far off the ground for them to land, land safely. Right. So they don't usually climb down off of things. They typically jump. So when they get too high, gotcha. they can't jump and they get stuck. All right. Thank you for that. Read the article, Kai. There you go. You're welcome. It's you okay. Go. You right. busy day. Here's all right. Here's mine. Uh, did you watch the uh, the football game last night? I did not. I did catch up on some of the ads this okay. morning. All right. Ads are the important part. <laughs> for those who did watch the game, and for those who have been on social media since, there were uh, a couple of meme worthy moments. The most meme worthy, and it's, this is really amusing to me because I'm not a big meme guy, but uh, there was a moment in the game uh, after a Kansas City fumble where Kansas City's Travis Kelsey of Travis Kelsey fame, uh, went over and was screaming, literally screaming, sweat dripping off his brow, veins popping out of his forehead at the coach of the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid, who's sitting there stoically um, just ignoring Travis Kelsey going bananas on him. And of course, that turned into a meme that various people used for various things. My favorite one comes from Scott Linscombe. He's at the Cato Institute, a libertarian think tank. He's the vice president of, of economic policy there. And he put uh, on this picture, he said, he, he put, for the last time, foreigners aren't paying the tariffs. It's pretty funny if you're an econ guy. It is pretty funny. It is pretty but- funny. That's a lot of rage in that photo. Well, he was, you know, there's a lot of testosterone in a football game. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? I don't don't know. I don't think it's ever appropriate to yell at your professional colleagues, especially like that. But I I, I see it's a game and and there's a lot of high emotions, but eh, I don't like it. (laughs) The meme is funny, though. I did chuckle when I saw it. Sorry, I ruined it. (laughs) That is it for us today. You can join us tomorrow for our weekly deep dive since it's Valentine's Day this week. Uh, We decide to have a chat about how the economy can impact our love lives from dating culture to navigating finances in all kinds of romantic relationships. (laughs) I just, I, uh, yeah. Until then, uh, comments, questions, you know how to get them to us. Well, I, it, I, uh, yes. Um, send us your thoughts, your comments on finances and romantic relationships. What could possibly go wrong? 508, you be smart. Make me smart at marketplace.org is how you get a hold of us. Are you worried about this conversation, guy? I, you know, I just asked the question. Make me smart, which is this podcast, is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's program was engineered by, come on, you should be able to tell if you're a regular listener, <laughs> JC Bold. <laughs> Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Our intern is Talia Menchaca. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. <laughs>